Welcome to Truth Well Spoken, the official podcast for McCann Health and an opportunity to connect across disciplines, companies, and countries in our mutual pursuit of endless truth-seeking. I'm your host, Matt Silver, and to introduce our topic for Episode 8, we're bringing back Truth Well Spoken's legendary strategist, Steve Hoffman. Steve, tell us about this interview. All right. Thanks, Matt. Happy, Really happy to be back with you and very excited to share our topic for Episode 8, which is going behind the lens with a special guest, Andy Anderson. Andy is, is really one of the most unique and recognized photographers of our time. He captures some of the most striking images from all over the world, whether it's fishing in Alaska, Olympic athletes in Salt Lake City, uh, even commercial and pharmaceutical campaigns. His work has some serious stopping power and a real ability to transport you to any moment in time. And so to take us on this journey, we brought in Heather Canova and Tressie LaFay, who had a chance to work with Andy on a recent photo shoot. So they sat down with him to learn more about his story and just to pick his brain on anything and everything photography, from having a sense of curiosity, the return to real, authentic, and honest work in advertising post-COVID, the importance of collaboration, and even Tressie's personal favorite, Rattlesnakes on Set. So without further ado, let's get right into it. Here are Heather and Tressie to give you an inside look at the life and work of Andy Anderson. Hello, Andy. Thank you so much for meeting with us. I'm Heather Canova, a group art supervisor with McCann. Um, we recently worked on a project with you and um, it was an amazing experience. Um, I cannot wait to kind of dig into a little bit about what makes you the photographer you are. Um, your website, andyandersonphoto.com, has everything. You are from everything from portraits to landscapes to athletes. How are you able to photograph so many different things and doing it well? Well, first of all, thank you. Thank you all so much for having me. I mean, this is, um, I mean, I've been looking forward to having a conversation with you guys about this and, uh, you know, so I'm somewhat honored. So thank you. Um, you know, to answer your question, Heather, you know, I'm a curious person. I mean, I'm more nosy than I am a photographer. I mean, I really like to know about things. And I think that's what kind of gets me, you know, jazzed up. I mean, um, I mean, I read a lot. Uh, I watch a lot of documentaries. And, um, you know, I'm just somewhat very, very curious person. I mean, I think if you're not curious, you know, I think that's where everybody falls down as far as being an artist or whatever. I mean, in professionally, uh, you know, and I've often said, you know, you know, curiosity is the engine of your um, creativity. And if you don't have that, then you kind of just kind of you're just going through the paces. So I've always just trying to be super nosy. I mean, for lack of a better word, I mean, I just love knowing about people. I mean. I'm really, I really love people. I love talking to them. I love to knowing their story. And that's just kind of who I am. I mean, um, that's just kind of served me well. And it's, you know, I don't try to fake it because I'm genuinely interested in things and people. Yeah. And that is so evident in your photography. It looks like, you know, you have a way with people. You take photos of, of people and capture them in a personal way, because I feel like you start with that relationship first. How do you create that trust with people? Well, I mean, I think that, um, first of all, you think you have to be a good listener, right? Um, 
and listen to people, you know, listen to what their stories are. Don't even pick up a camera and pull it out. I mean, I think just, just getting to know people and being interested in them and genuinely, I think it just knocks those barriers down. I mean, I think that's probably the, the best advice I can give to anybody. Um, you know, listening because, you know, their stories are way more interesting than yours. So let's listen to them, right? Yeah, definitely. And it seems like you probably learned that over time. How did you get started? Well, um, I uh, grew up in a, in Florida in the 60s. So I, you know, I always love being outdoors. I mean, that's just something I always love to do. Um, and my dad was in the Air Force. He was a B-47 pilot. And then he became, he was an architect by trade before he went in the military. But, you know, so I was always kind of, traveling all the time but the last you know the last probably 18 years before well the first 18 years i was lived mostly in the south and i love being outdoors and i picked up you know love to fish so um you know that kind of carried me through till i was in high school and then when in high school i was um i love to write i mean i just love to read and i love to write so i to make a you know long story short i got a small very small scholarship at a junior college in orlando uh, after I graduated from high school, you know, it wasn't a big thing, but I started going to school and I just didn't have the intestinal fortitude or the, the maturity to kind of follow through with it. And I was like, I can't do this anymore. So, and, um, and I got married and I'm still married to the same wonderful woman today that I've married 40 years ago, 42 years ago. So we get married and, um, you know, I'm working construction and, um, she goes, why don't you go in the air force? And I go, Oh my God, I can't go in the air force. Well, Long story short, I went in the Air Force and I, as a firefighter. So, um, you know, my career is actually pretty charmed. So I'm going to walk you through this real quickly, what happened to me. But so about eight or nine years after I've been, not eight or nine, probably about six years after I was in the Air Force, my, I got orders to go to Alaska for a year, a remote assignment away from my wife. And she bought me a camera at a, um, at a Montgomery Ward. You guys are too young to even, or to even know what that is. But that was kind of a big department store. And she bought me a Pentax K1000 before I went. And immediately when I got this camera, I mean, I I mean, I, I'm sure I'm ADHD or, you know, attention deficit disorder because I completely got hyper-focused when I put that camera to my head. It literally kind of just solved all my problems created, creatively for me. So, you know, I went to Alaska, started taking all these fishing pictures, come back after a year. And I started selling all my fishing pictures to all these magazines. And I started doing these little, you know, Winston Fly Rods, Sims, and started working with some really great art directors, create, you know, creative directors, Jim Hagar, Ed Mullen, Jimmy Bonner, that was at the Rydell Agency. And, but I started, I started to get burned out about it, but, you know, shooting fishing, because it creatively, it just was not interesting to me, because, you know, holding pictures of fish and all that stuff, it just got to be old and I couldn't do it anymore. So, uh, long story short, there was a uh, an editor that was working. I was selling my pictures to magazines as well, like Esquire. You know, uh, I think I sold some to Playboy. You know, you know, a long list. But um, so I get contacted by this gentleman named Terry McDonald. And Terry McDonald's goes way back to Rolling Stone when he was in San Francisco, uh, when Jan Winter and Larry Bryant and um, they started, you know, Rolling Stone and Terry was with them at the time and that all started. Well, they left. Well, when they were in San Francisco, they started this magazine uh, called Mariah. And Mariah was kind of like the predecessor to Outside Magazine. So he, I mean, if you, if you ever can get your hands on it, I don't know if you can, but 
Um, Mariah was just this outdoor, and the photography was just unbelievable. It was all perfect binding on the magazine. It was just good paper. It was just really something to behold, right? So long story short, Terry and Jan went to New York, and Larry bought the magazine from Jan and called it, you know, outside. But, you know, if you look inside the inside front cover, it says Mariah Publishing because that's how it started. So long story short, Terry leaves Rolling Stone in the mid-90s. He contacts me because he's going to start this uh, magazine called Esquire Sportsman. It was a premier issue, and he contacted me, or one of us, you know, the photo editor of the magazine reached out to me and, um, and goes, um, you know, I really want to use this photograph for the cover. So I sold it to him. You know, I was kind of, you know, Esquire was a pretty big thing. He was going to launch a new magazine, so I was kind of excited about that. And uh, a couple months passed, you know, went by and, uh, you know, he says, hey, we're going to work a lot together because I'm going to Men's Journal. And um, so in about a month passed after that and I got orders to go to Kuwait. Um, you know, this is in like 97, something like that. And um, Kuwait and I was, you know, still working as a firefighter in the Air Force. So I went there for about three or four months and I said, you know, Terry, I can't really, don't sure if I can actually do this with you because I'm going to be gone for three or four months. He goes, no problem. I want you to do a story about fighter pilots in Kuwait. And I go, hmm, okay, that's interesting. So while I was there, you know, I was able to get through public affairs and we were able to do this piece on fighter pilots. And I come back about three and a half months later and uh, I land in, back in Boise where I'm living now. And he goes, I, you know, and I get the images developed and I call Terry. I said, Terry, I've got these images available. Do you want to see them? He goes, yes, meet me in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. And this is like the 23rd or 24th of December after I get these images. And he said, meet me in Jackson Hole on the 2nd of January. So I do. And I drive over there. And we get, you know, per, you know, proceed to get super drunk on really good expensive wine. And I show him the pictures. And he signed me on contract at Men's Journal. I was the first staff photographer at Men's Journal making, you know, um, five-figure you know, income, high five-figure income, while I was still on active duty in the Air Force. So I was the first staff photographer at Men's Journal. And after that, just just kind of what changed. It changed my life. I mean, it changed my life. That's, ama that's amazing. I, I feel like you, the stories you must have just throughout your career, I mean, just the experiences you have. And I think all of those led to, I mean, for me, one of, one of the most powerful pieces I saw was the the 2013 Super Bowl commercial from Dodge? So God made a farmer with 108 million viewers, a two minute video. I mean, what was that like? Well, you know, I was um, I don't know where I was. I think I was on a job, or I'm not I'm not quite sure. But Jimmy Bonner, Jimmy Bonner and I go way back. We, you know, I think, you know, before I even talk about that, I think the longevity to any photographer is partnering with good creatives. I mean, that is what's going to propel you down the road as a photographer, illustrator, whatever. I mean, working with really smart people that you can learn from, I think, is what's going to be, you know, the, the engine of, like, making you a really good creative person. So I was able to work with really, really good creative people in the very beginning of my career. So I had a long relationship with Jimmy and he went to the Richards group and he calls me and I, I, don't, I can't remember where I was. And he goes, oh, he was in Hawaii. And I think I was, I don't remember where I was. And he goes, Hey, this is like, this is like the 22nd of January. He goes, Hey, we got this project coming up about you know, the Super Bowl commercial. We need to shoot these ranchers and farmers. Like, 
He says, so I want you to do it. So I go, yeah, sign me up. I'll do it. So literally, I think the 28th of December, I'm on the road traveling for three weeks, capturing these. And I wasn't, I was one of seven or eight photographers, so I didn't do the whole thing, but I was really super honored to be a part of it. So I just went and embedded myself with these farmers and ranchers that I knew and that I didn't know that I reached out to. And we come back and we had compiled these images and we sent them off and, you know, the rest is kind of history. So that's kind of how that work went out. Yeah, but I feel like that that work you did, did there on top of everything else is probably one of the huge reasons why we contacted you for a project that we were doing. Um, what do you see as the difference between working with healthcare versus like commercial advertising? Well, um, you know, the work that I've done with McCann recently, um, I think is changing for the good. I think that there's some realism become, you know, coming back. And that's why I was so energized with the project that I worked on with you guys, because it was real and it was honest and it was, you know, um, and it was going to be beautiful. So I think marrying, you know, my experience of being, you know, shooting, you know, real people and being, you know, shooting authentic authenticity, which is an often very overused word. But, you know, and I think, you know, me living in a very small town in Idaho helps me because I, you know, I live in a very, very small town in Idaho. So I think those things serve me well. But, you know, and, you know, and bringing those uh, sensibilities to your project was Great. And I think, you know, I think I'm seeing some changes in the pharmaceutical industry now. I think they're getting back to authenticity and honesty, especially what's happened in the last year with COVID. I think that nobody wants to see this ostentatious imagery of luxury and stuff. I think you want to get back to more humanity and, you know, the, uh, the human condition. And I think that's where, you know, I come in with my work amongst other people, too. Yeah, I agree. And it's just it's a really exciting time um, for, that, for that change. Mm -hmm. I'm going to uh, go ahead. I, you know, I kind of I kind of told I kind of said this to my son. My son's a photographer, too, Zach Anderson. And uh, I told him, I said, you know, your work is going to propel you down the road now, because I think, you know, moving forward, this work's going to become more honest. I mean, the, all the calls I'm getting now is about honesty and realism and authenticity. And, um, you know, and I and I kind of knew it was going to happen because people are just kind of burned out on, you know, the luxury stuff and, you know, fakeness and things like that. And it just, you know, it was a reset. It was a reset for good. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's more emotional now, I feel like. And it's what you can grasp onto and relate to. I think making making everything more relatable is so mm -hmm. important. Absolutely. Um, and on that note, I'd like to pass it off to Tressie and kind of talk about how we're doing that with the project we worked on with you. Hey, Tressie. Hi, Andy. Hello, everybody. My name is Tressie LaFay. I am a copy supervisor at McCann Health, New Jersey. Um, and I recently had the great pleasure of working with Andy on the project we've been talking about a little bit. Um, so just to give a little context, we did a, a four-day shoot on a ranch in the middle of Oregon. It was hundreds and hundreds of acres and truly probably the most beautiful place I've ever been. Um, it was a wild time. We had so much fun. I learned so much from being around Andy and his team. Um, and it was a, a super interesting project. So um, I think, Andy, the first thing I wanted to ask you is how you felt when this project was first presented to you. You know, what did you love about it? Why were you interested? Um, what kind of, you know, made it something you really wanted to work on? 
Well, I think, you know, the, the, um, the way it was presented to me was, you know, this, this day in the life of a person that's kind of living with this condition, you know, and, um, and that really spoke to me. And I think the other thing is, you know, since this project was something that I was, you know, in, or knew about, especially from where I live in Idaho, um, I knew these places and I wanted to have a real, not a heavy hand, but I wanted to have a strong hand in, you know, finding these locations and finding the people. Because I think that if you would have hired a casting person to go do this, it would have missed, it would just kind of miss the mark. And it, that would have not been acceptable to the client or the agency. And it would have been unfair. So I just felt like I needed to be involved in that, you know, uh, intimately. And so I scouted all the locations with my other really great scout, Jim Baldwin, that I've worked with for 20 years, I think. And we traveled all around Oregon and, you know, meeting these people, casting them. I mean, I think we drove about 2,500 miles in about six or seven days. Um, but it was fun. And we're able to find these locations. And a lot of these, the location that we ended up on, Tressie, as you well know, was a location that I had shot. 10 years ago and knew the person really well. And I think we all fell in love with her, you know, Jeannie. But, um, you know, that's, I, I just love the part that it was just, you know, something I knew and that I could uh, relate to. Um, you know what I mean? Yeah. So of all the places you guys visited, how did you know that this was the right one? Um, and, and how did you know that these were the right people, I guess? Well, because the brief that you, the McCann gave me was, you know, pretty in depth and, um, you know, and I understood it, you know, and it didn't take a brain surgeon to figure out how cool it was going to be. I mean, it was like anybody else would have known how damn cool the project was going to be. So, you know, I did everything in my power to make it work because I wanted to work on it. And I knew that I could bring something to the table and make something really special, you know, and, uh, and you guys gave me the freedom when we partnered and collaborated together. And we all came, you know, back with something really special that we all love, right? And it's also going to help the client, which is the, at the end of the day, that's what we're trying to do. Yeah. So, so Andy went out and scouted all these places for us, and then I think played a really important role in um, the casting. And and Andy, you had a really strong voice in those conversations. You know, we were just talking about real, being real and being authentic, and you felt really strongly that. The, the talent we were going to feature in the video were people who lived and worked on the ranch because there was a certain authenticity to that. So can you talk a little bit about why you thought that was important and and kind of how you went out early and you spent time with them and really got to know them and created that trust you were talking about um, so that we we're all ready to go, you know, by the time shooting started? Well, I mean, you know, the project was had to be honest and it had to be and I hate to see, keep saying the word real, but it really had to be that. Because if not, if you weren't missing, if you weren't hitting those, you know, those um, those milestones in the project, then it was going to fall flat on its face. And it would have been super easy to, for that to happen you know, if it was the approach was a different way. You know, and I just tapped into people that I'd known for years. And I know these people, right? I know, I don't know them. I, I didn't know them all, but I knew who these people were just because I live in a small town surrounded by these people. These are my friends. Um, and, and I just, you know, I just felt really strongly that, um, it had to be real people. I know we talked about, um, maybe doing, you know, talent, but, you know, quickly that came off the table and, uh, you know, you guys trusted me, you know, enough to, you know, to be able to come back with an idea and it, and it worked out. And, but the big thing is you trusted me. And, you know, I think the big thing is having trust 
both ways, I think, is what makes you able to have something a really a smart and compelling and memorable project. You know what I mean, Tressie? Yeah, absolutely. And and I think they trusted you, too. That was so important. There were, you know, we all knew from the word go that it was the right decision because there were so many moments where we would say, you know, okay, now get on the horse here or, you know, feed the whatever animal here. And they would say, oh, I wouldn't do it like that. Or I wouldn't come from this side or I wouldn't get on the horse in the barn. And I think that that added just such an an important layer of, Mm -hmm. you know, real lived experience to the video. Whereas, you know, if we'd brought talent in, they wouldn't have known to say, this isn't what someone who lives and works on a ranch would actually do. So I think that was so important. And they just looked, you know, they were, they were just the way they looked, the way they worked, the way they felt, you know, the way they talked. It was just, um, um, I don't know. I keep saying the word real, but it was just, you know, it was just, it was It perfect. couldn't have been acted. No, absolutely not. I completely agree with you. Yeah. Um, so the way that we approached this video, you and Heather were talking about a little bit, it was pretty different than a typical pharma ad. Um, you know, it's sort of a long form documentary like video. So what did you like about that approach? Um, is that something that you're used to doing? Is that something that was important to you? You know, why was it important that it was a little bit different? Well, you know, I, um, I like to read. So, um, you know, and I, you know, I think my work becomes a little lyrical and storytelling. I mean, I love telling stories. So, and I watch a lot of documentaries. I mean, just a ton of them. I probably watch three or four a week if I can. Um, and I just love the storytelling part of this, you know, how we could weave this, this condition into this life of this person that's lived this and why he's gotten the condition that he's got and, and how it's affected his life. And I think that that, you know, hitting on all those, those, um, those milestones in, in, in the piece was really important to me. And it kind of excited me. It just wasn't a one-off, like, let's just go do this. There was some real thought about it from the agency side, you know, on the creative side. And, you know, and to be honest with you, and I'm not just saying this because Tressie, you and I spoke about this, to be able to get something like this sold through was, I mean, is monumental. So kudos to you guys, because that, that could, you know, I don't know, you know, you could have, you know, a year ago been able to do that. I don't know anybody been able to do that. Yeah, but, I've you know. I've only been working in pharma for five years, but I think it was by far the most exciting and creative project I've gotten to work on. Um, mm-hmm. So it really, it was really definitely very special for all of us. Think, yeah, and I think you guys are setting the tone too. I think things are, things are definitely changing in the industry as pharma. And pharma's fun, but when you can really kind of sink your teeth into something and really make it special and really kind of, you know, collaborate on something that's, you know, with some really great creatives and, you know, and work in places that you really want to be in, I think is, and your crew, I think is, I mean, what else, I mean, what else do you want to do, man? You know, pinch me, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was really, it was such an amazing experience. And I just, I ca- I feel like I kept looking around. I mean, Andy, this is probably your life living in Idaho, but I kept looking around and saying like, I'm never going to go anywhere like this ever again. It was just, it's such a, a unique and amazing place. And just every, at every turn, I couldn't believe mm-hmm. how beautiful everything was. How'd you like those snakes, Tressie? Like oh yeah, snakes? we had a 30 minute rattlesnake safety meeting when we arrived, uh, which is not exactly what I signed up for. Um, but Andy was very kind and drove me around in his rover most of the time so that I didn't have to 
I mean, I, go to battle. Tressie and I just like, I couldn't believe how many damn snakes were there. Like, <laughs> are, are you freaking kidding me, man? I mean, then Jean said she found like three snakes in like a half hour. I mean, and rattlesnakes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yep. Just, you know, your typical day at the office. <laughs> it really was I mean it just was the coolest place so I I unlike Andy am not much of a photographer but I just could not take a bad picture there because everything you know is just so so striking um so Andy I know I don't feel like um you know COVID restrictions actually had a huge effect on our shoot but uh it wouldn't be a podcast in 2021 I guess if we didn't talk about COVID a little bit so um was this your first you know big shoot post-COVID or during COVID and did you find you know from your perspective and your team that it had any big effect on the work that you needed to do yeah, uh, to answer your question, Chris, yes, this was my first big project post-COVID. Uh, and I feel like, you know, my team, my uh, my producer, Dahlia, uh, did an amazing job. And she was able to monitor that. And, you know, it did not impede our, our process at all, not whatsoever. I mean, you know, everybody honored the fact that we need to be safe and healthy. And uh, we did that. But it did not impede what we were doing because everybody kind of followed the rules. And, uh, you know, Dahlia was a big part of that, you know, keeping everybody in line. Yeah, we had, she was great. We had a great COVID officer there who doled out masks and took everyone's temperature. And also there was like, a, you know, a 90 degree swing in temperature every day. So she made sure everyone was hydrated and had layers. It was, it really actually went very smoothly. And I don't think it, I didn't, I don't either think that it had any effect on what we were doing. Not at all. Absolutely. Um, which is encouraging, you know, but it's a long time since any of us had been out of our home offices and out doing anything. So it was, it was, you know, good to go and see that good work can still get done, um, even in the times we're living in right now. Tracy, you know, not to, not to belabor a point either, but I do think, you know, clients are probably going to require, I know production people are going to require, like photographers and agencies are going to start requiring, you know, their crew to be vaccinated. Um, and I know that's a touchy subject, but, you know, we're trying to protect everybody, right? So I, I see a big pushback now, like, you know, crew's going to have to be vaccinated. I'm vaccinated and, you know, my office is vaccinated and everybody that I work with is vaccinated. But, you know, do you feel like that's kind of what's coming down the pike? Yeah, I mean, it definitely made, I was also vaccinated when we got there and it made me feel a lot better because, you know, there were people on the crew who were pregnant, all of the talent that we were working with were older, some of them had health issues. And so I certainly wouldn't want to go into somebody's, you know, home and feel like I'm putting them at risk. So, you know, it made me feel good for myself safety wise. And it also made me feel like I wasn't putting anyone that I was working with at risk. But, you know, the other part of that, too, is what's happening is it's putting an incredible amount of expense in the, in the projects when you have to have a COVID yeah. officer on, on set. I mean, so, you know, that's sometimes, you know, jobs don't happen because of that line item sometimes because you're so close to the margins on budgets. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's interesting. I hadn't thought about it. It is. It's a whole other expense you know, in an already expensive endeavor. And then you do the remote viewing because people don't want to travel. And then it just becomes this, you know, what happens is when you take that money away from the project, your production, then your product just gets to be a little bit more diluted because you're not putting that money into the into the shoot. You're putting it into protecting people, which I understand. 
but that's the downside of it, right? But it seemed like everybody was on the same page, like from the client, like that was a top priority for her was mm -hmm. to have those safety protocols in place. And I think getting everybody on the same page and understanding that made um, having that line item a non-issue. Yeah. And, you know, the other thing is, too, my crew that I work with for, I don't know, 20 years, I mean, I, I'm not a person that puts up a lot of bullshit from crew. I mean, bitching and moaning, I just can't deal with it um, because, you know, we're paid to do something at some point, you know, you got to do your damn job. So, you know, I think that had a lot of bearing on how smoothly it went too, because everybody just had an, you know, a job to do and they knew they needed to get it done and they were, let's get it done. So, you know, having crew that, you know, bitching and moaning all the time is something that I can't, I don't deal with very well, so. Yes. Andy runs a very tight ship, I can attest to that. After our rattlesnake meeting, he said, okay, let's go, I'm gonna move fast, and if you can't keep up, get out of my way. Um, <laughs> and he is a few years my senior and really ran circles around me, so. Um, and yeah, it's definitely, it's a team that's there to work, for sure, and didn't let anything get in the way of that, which was great. Yeah. Um, my last question, Andy, is just if there was anything, you know, for you that felt really special about this project that stood out or anything that you learned, just kind of what was your, you know, an important takeaway for you? Uh, God, that's a really good question. I, you know, what I, I get back to all the time about how, you know, our job as a, as a photographer or, you know, a director, our job when you get something from a from an agency like a, a brief you know people photographers need to understand that you know the fact that we were able to get that on the table and bring that to us Tressie, when you presented that to me i mean people have no freaking idea how much work went involved a year ago to get that and you went through all the all the changes all the you know, the questioning, all the, the fighting, the creative, you know, the creative uh, struggles that go on. And the fact that you can get that on the table and present it to me was a miracle, right? That is a miracle. And especially now today with budgets being cut and have to be challenging, you know. So I, 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 I realize the fact that, you know, gosh, this is a gift, right? So, but our job as a, as a director or photographer is to bring that idea to life. That's our whole, I, that's our whole job. I mean, that is what we are paid to do. Um, and we collaborate with the agency. So for us to be able to, you know, take that and collaborate with you and to bring that idea and surpass what you were trying to do is really kind of the art of it. And that to me is the most satisfying thing for me. I mean, that really, I mean, without tearing up here, I mean, that's the part that I love the most. And yeah. I think we did that. Yeah, I don't think, absolutely did. Yeah, I don't think, uh, I think we would not have gotten the same outcome if we used somebody else. I think everything that you've gone through, all of your experience and, and who you've shot in the past, your uh, relationships with people, that personability you have, I think that all came through in the end result. And, you know, you know, well, thank you. And, you know, but the other thing is, as you well know, Tressie, you know, I was having, I had a serious situation with my son. And, um, you know, so this project came along at a really important time in my life, you know, and I was able really to immerse myself into that. And so I'm thankful to you guys and thankful, you know, for the agency and the client to trust me, right? It was yeah, I mean, I think we all saw your work and sort of said to ourselves, this is Andy's project. But when we got out of the car at the ranch and saw the place that you had chosen and met the people that you had picked, we knew 
We'd absolutely done the right thing. Right. Well, thank you. I mean, that was really kind of, it was a gift. So I, 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 I recognize that truly. It was, and we had a lot of fun. Yeah. You know, and you know, to get a job is kind of a, it is, it's a miracle, right? And I never take any of that stuff for granted because I think it's, you know, there's so many more other great photographers out there today. Um, you know, to be able to, you know, to make a living doing this is, is kind of amazing, right? Yeah. Yeah, it really, it was such, it was a gift. That's a great way to put it. I mean, I remember sending pictures to my husband, who's an architect, and I was like, you know, I'm watching this sunset and I'm riding this ATV and <laughs> petting right. these horses. And he was like, neat, I'm sitting at my desk. Right. Uh, so it really, it was, it was a very rewarding thing to be able to do and just such a neat experience to have as part of your job, right? We all got paid for being there, which is absolutely. Incredible. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, I, it's one of the most, probably the memorable jobs that I've done and I've done a lot of them, but that's, that's right at the top and I can't wait to get going on it. Yeah. Excited to see the final product. Um, that was all I had, Heather, unless you have any other questions for our main man, Andy. No, I'm good. I'm just, I hope we get to work together again and I hope I could be a part of the, the rattlesnake crew. <laughs> <laughs> You say that now, right? You yeah, maybe just somewhere without rattlesnakes, but together <laughs> so, would be great. <laughs> so, Tressie, do you remember when I tied the belt to my leg? Yeah, and you kept uh, snapping it at people, and then the client swore over the walkie-talkie <laughs> and then had to apologize to everyone because Andy whipped a belt at her, and she thought it was a rattlesnake. <laughs> that's that that's essentially so how the four days went. <laughs> that was so funny, man. Oh my God, that was so funny. And you, I think you looked at me like, whatever, dude, what are you doing? <laughs> we had a good time. Well, Andy, it was great to talk to you. Likewise, likewise. Thank you so much. Thank yeah, you. tell everybody we said hello and hope that we'll all be in touch soon. Absolutely. You guys have a wonderful day, okay? You too. You too. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. That's all we've got for today. You've heard Andy talk about his photography, but to truly experience his work, check out his portfolio at andyandersonphoto.com. You can subscribe to Truth Well Spoken on your podcast network of choice and let us know what you'd like to hear on a future episode by emailing podcast at mccannhealth.com. My fellow podcast producers are Abby Nyken, Steve Hoffman, and Andy Fontana. Until next time, I'm Matt Silver, and this has been Truth Well Spoken. Truth Well Spoken.